This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Gun violence and crime are among the big issues in this election. And the good news is, though, that's the bad news. The good news is that most people feel safe here in Toronto. Almost three in four say they feel safe walking after dark, in their own neighborhoods, compared to 28% who did not. This is according to a new poll from DART Insight and Communications. And that research also says that most people are clear on what they think is behind the gun crime, which has been on the rise. So 76% blame criminal gangs, 61% point to drugs and drug trafficking, and 49% say it's because of illegal guns smuggled in from the U.S. What do you think? And do you think that this was dealt with enough in this election? Do you have confidence that these politicians that we are electing today and tonight are going to deal with it? And how do you feel in your own neighborhood? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744-740, and I am here with pollster John Wright, who is the CEO of Dart Insight. Hi, welcome. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. So people are pretty clear that most of this problem is a gang problem. Yeah, and I, I think anyone who lives in Toronto and has experienced it over the last number of years, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a resident of Toronto for the last 40 years uh, and, and grew up in Markham, so I've got my years looking down on the city uh, on top of that. But anybody who's been in this city knows that there are pockets. It essentially has been a triangle of violence from parts of Scarborough up to the Jane Finch corridor and then over to on the west side, where most of the activity has taken place. Uh, in, in gun violence. The, the, the thing that happens from time to time, and beginning with um, the shooting of uh, Vivi Lemonis, if we go back to a oh, long yeah, time, time ago, ago. DuPont Street and, uh, and St. George in our neighborhood, Bedford. John. But that was mm. the first time when there was a shooting at, uh, I think it was at Just Desserts, yep. um, when it invaded the city. And that's when everyone you know decided that this, this was uh, an issue that was coming into the city. We see it from time to time when someone is gunned down, whether it be Jane Kreba or someone else uh, who's innocently shot. But it's usually a product of the gang violence that seeped in from those areas. And so I think it's by no surprise that when you ask people what the contributing factors are, and we we asked people to choose from a huge list, uh, and they had four choices, not just one, but, you know, what are those things? You know, there may be poverty issues, lack of resources for young people, but at the top of the list are these things. And they are the gang warfare. Um, there's the drugs that surround that whole uh, business. And then the last part is illegal guns from the United States. So while the politicians may talk one story about what's causing the violence in the city, I think the residents have their finger on the pulse of it pretty well. 
Yeah, but what's what's interesting to me, and there might be some nimbyism in, involved mm-hmm. here, is that when the violence uh, leaves what you called that triangle or the neighborhoods where where we expect it usually, and it happens randomly downtown. Mm-hmm places where people are sometimes in in broad daylight that's when people really get upset and really start to consider it an issue that affects them yeah and i'm i'm going beyond the research i'm just going to surmise but, but uh, you know i think a lot of people in the city say listen if a group of gangbangers want to knock each other off in their parts of town let them go to it i mean that's a, an unfortunate sort of view but people do feel safe in their own backyards. It's when that does come into Toronto that you see the escalation in terms of calling for the police, uh, for calling for um, Chief Saunders to make sure that people are out, uh, being protected in those neighborhoods, uh, and pushing back against them. It, it doesn't get to the root causes, though. I mean, there is another side of this where we actually had uh, the McMurtry curling report that was handed down geez, when was that, 15 years ago, that went through um, uh, a whole investigation of what the root causes of this were in those different parts of town. And so while it's one thing for us to talk about, you know, dealing with the day-to-day violence in this city, the root cause is never really dealt with. I mean, putting up basketball courts and and doing a little bit of outreach is not going to solve the issues there. What we tend to see is the, uh, the consequence of not action. So like many things in our society, we've studied these things a lot. We know what the root causes are. But right now, those root issues are not being dealt with. So we get, you know, the police will go through, arrest 70 gang members, which takes them off the street, which then leaves this wide open space for other gang members to try and control those gangs who then go on a shooting spree and more violence. And it's just a continual cycle. So I, you know, it, it, it does take more than simply police getting involved, and we have studied it, but this is the consequence of not taking that action. Do you think that people have confidence that it's being dealt with appropriately? No, uh, I, I don't think so, and I don't think it's the right approach to go down the rabbit hole and say, well, this all has to do with carding, and if we had, you know, police officers walking through certain neighborhoods all the time and carding people, that we would be uh, through this, that that can cause a whole series of uh, problems within certain communities where innocent people are are targeted as well. No, I, I think what people are concerned about is that there are violent individuals involved in these kind of crimes, and there doesn't seem to be a consequence when it comes to bail. And I know we could argue on both sides of this. An innocent person locked away for two years before they are exonerated on trial is is not appropriate. But the reality is that they see this as a revolving door, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. Uh, it seems to go through waves. But right now, a lot of people, I think, don't believe that it's being dealt with. We've had a very heavy st- – in fact, I think today we may pass uh, the record from last year in terms of violence on it, our streets. It's um, 89 murders yeah. we're at. And again, like the random nature of some of it, I don't know if this was gang-related, but a man who was – attacked uh, by a stranger on the street just died over the weekend. Yeah. Listen, I think if you take 
um, the the van um, uh, destruction up of Young Street. So let's take that off the yeah. table. Uh, it's clear that the Danforth killings, uh, as regrettable as they were, were, were done by both of those cases, probably by somebody deranged. Okay, so if we take mm, those... I'm not so sure, but anyway. Well, in, yeah. in, in, not in a proper mm-hmm. gang-like circumstance. No, it was, so, I don't think it was a gang-like circumstance. We'll agree if, on that. If you take some of those off the table, you're still left with a majority that are probably related to gangs, and that's what people hear, that's what people think, and people don't believe that it's being looked after. Uh, yeah, do you think that it's... It, it, I mean, I'm heartened to see that people still feel safe in their own neighborhoods, mm-hmm. but, you know, do you remember there was a guy gunned down in Yorkville? I mean, that well, kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel that as an innocent bystander, you can be caught in a crossfire. That itself was linked again to gangs, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, a rapper, somebody who had ended up uh, doing a video in, in the wrong No, that part. was a different one. This one was some guy that ran a tech company. Okay. Well, that was also they were, but the the one you mentioned is also in Yorkville. So there we go. Uh, but it, it, you're right. It it happens uh, quite constantly in different parts of the city, but it's bleeding into our own part. Uh, pardon the pun there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, people are really concerned. But if you put your finger on it, that's what they say. I mean, it's not it's not randomness that people are thinking is, is taking place. It, it is organized crime that's committing the majority of these acts. Okay, so people's it's it's um it's a tough issue. Now the the other thing is so immediately when these things were happening, mm-hmm. politicians including Mayor John Tory came out and said we need a total handgun ban in the city and and for what reason would anyone need a handgun in Toronto? Um to me that, that makes sense. For what reason does anyone uh want uh, need a handgun in Toronto? I can't answer that, except that for those people who are sports shooters, I suppose mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. the case. But it, it, from a public opinion point of view, there's only about 12% of people who believe that to be the case is going to you know, make a difference. I mean, if you have a choice between banning handguns um, and doing something about the gangs, I mean, the gangs are not getting handguns from legal firearms people. I mean, the mayor talked about that. He was proven wrong later on because he said, well, the police said this, and it was based on a a newspaper article, which, in fact, the Toronto Star and the National Post went and investigated and found that was completely wrong. Oh, I thought so, too. So so that theory that there are a lot of guns that are stolen from legal owners and then or, or sold by legal owners, that's not true. No, it's not true. And I think most people will then say who are advocates of gun control, one gun is too many. And if there is a a violent action that takes place, then, you know, we should ban them. The fact of the matter is that even if you banned the uh, the non um, like the sports guns from people, it would appear that the public saying that that's not going to get at the issue. The issue is organized gangs. They are around the city and they are you know, doing violent actions, and uh, it's not going to be the sports gun owner who uh, who's having their guns stolen. It's making a big difference. Okay, uh, people, I want to know what you think. Uh, do you agree that the idea of a handgun ban is a bad idea? And again, do you think that the politicians are dealing with this in the right way? And have you changed the way you 
felt or feel about your own neighborhood. We're going to tackle those questions after a break. The numbers to call before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And uh, we are also going to bring in Dr. Wendy Kukier, who is the president of the Coalition for Gun Control, along with John Wright, when we return from the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am here with John Wright. We've been talking about a new poll about people's perception of crime and safety in their neighborhoods and their ideas on gun control. I'm going to bring in Dr. Wendy Sukier, who is president of the Coalition for Gun Control. Dr. Sukier, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So according to this poll, most people do not think that a handgun ban is the answer to this problem. What's your reaction to that? Well, not knowing uh, how it was framed, uh, it's hard to draw any conclusions. And based on what Mr. Wright just said, uh, I'd have some real skepticism about that. I've got right in front of me the data, and, and he knows about sampling, um, it's not true uh, that the data that the mayor cited was discredited. In fact, um, it confirms the claim that when you look at the sample of firearms that have been traced, half of them originate from Canadian sources. And this is an issue I've been tracking for a number of years. I've published in um, journals on it. And in 2006, there were 181 handguns traced in Toronto, and of those, two-thirds were traced back to the United States. In the last year that we have data for, which is 2017, there were 328 guns that were traced, and of those, um, 45% originated in uh, Canada through Canadian forces. So I don't Anybody who understands sampling should understand that you draw conclusions based on the guns you can trace, not the guns you can't trace. Uh, John, would you like to respond to that? Well, I don't think it really gets into a methodology issue from my side. I mean, it's a random sample of people, and you're, I'm delighted if you want to take a look at the questions and how it's, it's put together. I mean, Wendy, you'd agree, I think, that most people in this city believe that uh, regardless of where the guns are coming from, uh, they are uh, inspired by gang violence. Secondly, the RCMP, citing the very study uh, that, that you have, indicated that there is no study across this country in 2017 to back up that data. Now, I, I'm not going to get into you in a discussion about, you know, whether people, uh, uh, whether you've got the right data on this or not. I mean, that's not my field. Uh, and, and no, I, it isn't. But the claims you were making, you were using words like discredited. Yes. The fact that the Toronto Police reported data based on Toronto statistics. Okay, Wendy. Uh, the RCMP who report on Canadian data 
say that they don't have a national study is not the same as saying yeah, but, but, but the, Wendy, the evidence is discredited, John. Yes, okay. but Wendy, I'm not going to discredit one way or the other. I, I, I'm saying that it was discredited by a number of people out there, and I think if you did a quick survey of the media, you'll find lots of people who were either supportive or against it. The fact of the matter is, it's pretty fuzzy to a lot of the general public when you say that this is the percentage and that is the percentage because they don't know for I, sure. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to get into no. that discussion because I don't think that that's the only factor that people take into account. So, uh, Wendy, what do you make of the fact that, that people do not see a handgun ban in Toronto as an answer? Well, I, I certainly don't see a handgun ban focused on the city as an answer, but the Nano's poll that was done just a few weeks ago showed 66% of Canadians support a complete ban on handguns compared to 22% who oppose it. I think that's pretty compelling. And as I said, I have no clue what the questions were in the poll that that John is citing. I, I would agree that a ban on handguns in a city, in a particular city, um, is not going to be effective. That's why Canadians are calling for a complete ban on handguns, which is also what John Tory called for, as well as the city of Montreal. John, do you want to respond before we take some uh, calls? Well, the only thing I, you know, we can go by the statistics and you look at at certain things across the country that are reported. We're talking about 130 people who died as a result of guns that had been stolen from people's homes. Like we know that uh, with a direct linkage to it. And so it is a factor. I think the question that we asked was, is, you know, what are the factors that are contributing to the gun violence current or to the violent crime that is currently in Toronto. And I think what they're saying is that it's not necessarily the biggest factor is from uh, illegal or uh, uh, legal guns being stolen. What it is, is the gangs that in fact are having access to the guns. And that's what we should be uh, dealing with. Okay, let's uh, take a couple of calls. We've got Colin in Toronto. Hi, Colin. Yes, hello. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. Um, the gangs, uh, the criminals, and the drug uh, people are getting their guns and drugs from across the border. We have a massive border problem all along the St. Lawrence River in western Canada. Do you know in western Canada, you can drive on a forest dirt road from the States right into B.C. with no border people? <laughs> That's an absolute fact. Um, we have a massive border problem. And uh, now the lady said, you know, that, you know, there was a percentage of guns coming from Canadian sources. Well, that's pretty vague. What are these sources? They probably got them from the States, too. So if you cut off the drugs and the guns from the gangs and the criminals, you kill them. You, you know, they can't function. The, the root problem is the border. Okay, that's, that's... You can drive across from Montana and Idaho into British Columbia on a dirt road with no border patrol. I've done it. <laughs> it's a huge problem. That's the problem, the border. Okay, Colin, that's yep. one take. Thanks okay. for that. We've got Isabella in Mississauga. Hi, Isabella. Hello, everybody. How are you? Fine. Great. 
Okay, uh, in regards to Dr., uh, I believe Dr. Wright, Dr. Wengzi, and Mr. John with the comments that you, you've been making, and the last caller that just called in, um, does anybody recall what happened about a week ago at Bombardier here at Downsview in, in Toronto when they caught the shipment of AK-47s coming in? Okay, we, we do have a border issue problem. The problem is not that the, the guns are getting stolen from homeowners, homeowners' houses. I'm a homeowner. I have uh, received my, my certification back in 2001 for acquisition and possession. I do not possess any uh, weapons at home. However, you cannot state that, that that's the only cause of theft, of getting these guns acquired, is, is just by home theft. It's not the case, because if anybody has done their actual training, has done their certification, is your gun has to be locked up. It has to be locked up in a case. It has to have the, um, the magazine out. There has to be a lock on the magazine itself and on the actual um, barrel. There, there is an actual lock as well. So there, there's no way that somebody can tell me statistically that that is the only way that these guns are, you know, coming out onto the to the streets. That's not the case. No, no, no. We Nobody's have, saying it's the only for. way. That's but but it's perhaps uh, one of the ways. So I I'm taking from all of this that uh, you are against a handgun ban. And do you no, think? No, actually, you see, that's the, the that's where you where I where you're getting uh, the wrong message. No, I'm not against it. However, what I am against is the fact that we don't we're not we don't have the statistics because see the previous government has not run the actual data has not actually put the money into this to actually come up with concrete data that's the major problem is even now with the elections that are happening today in Toronto not one of these candidates has actually come up and said we need to actually tackle the battle that we're facing right now in just in the GTA, not just in Toronto itself, but in the GTA with all this gun violence. Now it's not even going into gun violence anymore. Now we're going into stabbing. So, so these criminals are getting smarter. They're not getting stupider. They're getting smarter. They, they know that if, if they shoot with a gun, there is a, there, there's going to be a registration done with, with the bullet and, and the and the casing uh, of, of the, from whatever weapon that was fired from. So these guys are getting smarter. They're now getting into stabbings. They're, they're getting into... Oh, I think you know, they've been into stabbings for a while. I, I get your point, Isabella. Yeah, I, that uh, it's going on too much. Thanks for your call. Nope. Let's go to John in Toronto. Hi, John. Good afternoon. Ask your talking heads. Do you really think those words, a ban on handguns in Toronto, is anything but just hot air? Do you really think the bad men and women in Ontario, in Toronto, would pay attention to those words? If you remember years ago, uh, the late, great Jack Layton, when he was on city council, said he wanted to bring in a, uh, make Toronto a nuclear-free zone. And everybody, a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon there. Well, you know what? They were just words. That's all it is. These people that that use firearms, they don't abide by words. They do what they want when they want. It's as simple as that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, John. And uh, we are starting uh, to run out of time on this. Uh, Wendy Sukir, what would you like to leave us with on this I think the facts are really clear. I mean, everybody cries and lays flowers after the shooting in Danforth. That was a stolen gun. It came from 
Saskatchewan. It's true that not all the guns recovered in crime in Toronto originate uh, in Canada, but half of them do, and we can do something about that half. I completely agree that a ban on handguns in the city of Toronto would be symbolic and not helpful, but Canadians want a ban on handguns and assault weapons nationally, and it will remain seen whether or not this government can deliver. And all I can say is I'm really disappointed, so I'm just adding to the confusion Okay, we're losing we're losing you. I'm afraid with your line. Thanks for being with us, John. Would would you like to? Well, the only thing I'd say is, uh, well, I appreciate Wendy's point of view. I, I don't think the public this is adding to any confusion. The public, in fact, has a view, and the view is that it's gangs that are causing these issues, followed by illegal handguns and and drugs. That is their perspective. And and if you want to ask for a public handgun, that's fine. But it is not the perception of the people dealing with the crime day in and day out uh, right now. And as a result, they want to have it dealt with at the source, and they don't see it in the same way that Wendy does. So that's just a difference of opinion based on what they are served up every day when they listen and hear what's going on in their city. Okay. That is all the time we have for this segment. Now, people, if I could not get to your call, remember, Free For All Friday is coming up. If we don't, in fact, deal with this again before then, Dr. Wendy Sukier and John Wright, thank you very much for being with us. Everybody remember, it's election day, so please get out and make your vote count. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.